Um, I'm going to do something this morning that, can you just take a little bit of the treble out of my voice, please? I'm going to do something this morning that I don't think I've ever done uh, in the 13 years that I've been here, and that is that I'm going to preach a message that I only preached five weeks ago um, again, um, and that is because it's what I feel to do. Um, bit nervous about it, to be honest with you, because you might be sitting there going, oh, I've already heard this. Um, but this is what I really feel to do. And I really think God wants to do something significant in our lives this morning. And um, if there's one thing I think I've learnt, hopefully I've learnt, sometimes maybe I haven't, in following Christ like I have for 40-something years is that when he says something once, it's good. When he says something twice, you want to pay attention. Does that make sense? Um, And so we're just going to jump straight on into it this morning, if that's okay with you. I'll just pray first, if that's all right, with you. Cool, no objections, great. Father, we thank you that you're here today. We thank you that this is your word. We thank you that you are with us. I pray that you'd help me to do this in such a way that it isn't old, but it's fresh, that it is going to unlock lives, that is going to set us free in Jesus' name. Amen. How many people know that we all worship something? Every single one of us worships something. Some of you that worship the Warriors might be disappointed this week. Some of you that worship Otago lost to the Chiefs today, or something like that. We all worship something. And Worship is really our response to what we value the most. Worship is how we respond to what we value the most. If you want to know what somebody values, if you want to know what somebody worships, just look at where their value goes, the value of their time, the value of their money, the value of their effort, the value of their loyalty. Uh, Whatever value they put into it is something that they are worshipping to a degree, whether that be shopping at Kmart, which is an idol in some of your lives. <laughs> I thought I'd get a few husbands going, amen. Yeah. Um, there's, there's your career. Some people can worship their career. The whole life is all about their career. It's all about where they're going. It's all about what they want to accomplish. And they're worshiping their career. Some people can, like, like in Trinity's case, tend to worship their husband. Um, that, that happens regularly. And... Uh, And, and in some cases, Trinity, Trinity believes, I don't think this is a, a, a word from the Lord, but she says that some people worship golf, um, which I don't think is true, um, personally. Um, in fact, when I went, to, when I went um, through Bible college, they said that as a pastor of a church, there's, there's three Gs you have to look out for, the three Gs that will bring you down if you don't keep yourself humble. One was gold, one was girls, and one was glory. Um, Trinity thinks there's a fourth one, it's called golf, and, um, and so I have to be careful. But you can tell what somebody worships based on the time, the effort, the money, the loyalty that they put into it. And here's the thing that I think you need to understand and I need to understand is God actually doesn't mind you having things in your life that you worship as long as you don't worship them more than Him. In fact, the first commandment in the Ten Commandments says, have no other gods before me. It doesn't say have no other gods. 
It just says, have no other gods before me. Now, what am I saying? I'm talking about the little G gods, you know, like, I don't know about you, but I would like to have uh, one, one stage, I, I'd really like to, maybe later on in life. Um, I'd love to have a Corvette Stingray, um, convertible, yeah. Um, that's a little G god, probably in my life. It'll probably sit in the garage and the kids won't be allowed anywhere near it. And all those, you, you understand what I'm saying? Some of us have those things that we, we love and there's nothing wrong with loving your husband or loving your wife or loving your kids or as long as that you don't worship and love them more than you love God. It's the first commandment. You can have other little G gods, just have no other gods before me because God wants to always be the first in your life. And, and I get confused sometimes when some people say, well, it's God first, family second, church third. No, it's, it's just God first. There's no second, third, fourth place. It's just God first. God first in your family. God first in your marriage. God first in your workplace. God first in the church. God first in the community. God first, it's just God first in our finances. God, it's just God first. There's no second, third, fourth. If you try to deconstruct your life like that, then you're going to have to try and put it back together again. It's just God first in everything in my world. And we can, all of us, including myself, all of us here, we can exchange the worship for God for something else. In fact, we can sometimes, all of us, tend to, if we're not careful, can end up worshipping the thing that is created rather than the creator of the thing. Are you with me today? I think that's some of the problem. I'm not against us saving the planet, but there are some people that are worshipping the environment rather than the creator of the environment. And so we can worship things beyond God. And God has no problem with you having things that you love. You love your house, you love your car, you love your kids, you love your wife, all those things, as long as we don't worship it more than we worship Him. And so for us to understand what worship is really about, because this message is called Made for Worship, for us to really understand what worship is about, then we have to look at who the first worshiper ever was in Scripture. And the first worshiper ever in Scripture, if you've been around Christianity long enough, you'll know that the first worshiper ever mentioned in Scripture was Lucifer, who later on became the devil, yes? Lucifer was the first worshiper ever. In fact, there were only three angels that are named in Scripture. One is Michael, one is Gabriel, and the other one is Lucifer. Now, Michael was, um, he was the guy that was in charge of prayer. He, he was the one that answered prayers. When Daniel prayed, uh, it was Michael that was sent. Michael's the one that battled his way through. Michael is always represented in regards to answering of prayer. Gabriel was always the messenger. He represents the Word of God. He is the one that came to Mary and said, hey, guess what? You're going to conceive of a child and da-da-da. He, he's, he's the one that brings the Word. There's the, the prayer, there's the Word, and then there was Lucifer. And Lucifer was the one that brought the worship. And it's interesting to me that those three things, word, prayer, and worship, are the three bases that we build our Christian life off, which is the prayer, word, and worship. If you can get those three things right in your life, you're 95% of the way there in following and pursuing Christ with everything that you've got. Those are the three named angels. and I just don't think it's a coincidence that they were responsible for those three areas. This is the three main parts of Christianity, and it's the best way for us to build a relationship with God is to do those three things. But there's two passages that we're going to look at today 
And, and this is all going to make sense for you as we go along, because some of you are looking at me like, oh, I'm not sure what he's saying today. But there's two passages that talks about Lucifer, that talks about his fall. One is in the, in the book of Isaiah, and another one is in the book of Ezekiel. Now, if you look at these scriptures in your Bible, the, the title at the beginning of these chapters mentions a different king, like the king of Tyre or the king of somewhere. And you could turn around and say, well, how can you say that this is talking about Lucifer because they're talking to the kings? Well, the first thing that you have to understand is that the Bible says this, that we don't battle against principalities, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, okay? So the first thing we have to understand is that for the devil or demonic spirits to have influence, they have to operate their people. So in this case here, where they're prophesying to the kings, they're not actually talking to the kings, they're talking to the spirit that is operating behind the kings. It's a little bit like if you've been around church long enough, you remember when Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Has anybody read that in scripture? Peter wasn't Satan, was he? Peter was Peter. What Jesus was speaking to was the spirit that was trying to operate through Peter, which was the devil. He's speaking to the spirit of it because we don't battle against flesh and blood. Come on, are you with me this morning? And so he's speaking to the spirit that is trying to operate here. And in Isaiah, Isaiah 14, oh man, where did I go then? Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 14, it says this about Lucifer. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth. You know that he's not speaking to the king because the king has never been in heaven. So how can the king fall from heaven when he's never been there? Are you with me? You have been cast down to earth and you are once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, and listen to all of this, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly and the utmost heights of Mount Saffron. And I will ascend above the tops of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. So what Lucifer is, is saying here is he goes, I want to be higher than God. So God is, he calls God the most high. In other words, God sits above everything, a little bit like the first commandment, have no other gods before me. In other words, I'm the top, I'm at the top of the tree. I come first. I am the God who is the most high God. And Lucifer here keeps on talking about ascending and going up and lifting and being above. He wants to get himself over the top of God. He wants to be above him. He wants to be and not just like the Most High God, he wants to be over the Most High God. He wants to be the highest, and that's why he got kicked out of heaven, because God says you can't have anything else before me. Are you with me today? Yeah. There is none above the God, the Most High, and that's why God takes it personally when we place something other than him at the top of our tree. God takes it personally. And that's why we have to be careful about what we worship. Be careful of what we really love more than we love God. Because when or if we do that, we are doing exactly the same thing that Lucifer did. We're making something higher than God in our lives. And Isaiah 14 verse 11, in the King James Version, it says this, you pump, you, your pomp has brought you down to Shoal, that is hell, 
and the sound of your stringed instruments. Now I mention this because I want you to understand something about Lucifer that maybe you didn't understand before. And that is this, is that most scholars, most biblical theologians, most biblical scholars, and I would agree with them on this, say that Satan didn't play, or Lucifer didn't play instruments, Lucifer was an instrument. So Lucifer didn't play stringed instruments, he was a stringed instrument. Right? That's what the scripture says there, that you are a stringed instrument. Now, if we go to Ezekiel 28, verse 12 to 13, I'm just laying some foundation for you so that we can get to where I really believe God wants us to go today. It says here, more about him, it says, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, hence why we know it's not about the king, because the king wouldn't have been in Eden. And the garden of God, every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, crystallite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis, turquoise, and beryl. And it says, your settings and mountains were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. And so, so God is saying here, not only were you a stringed instrument, not only did I make you an instrument, but then I adorned you with all of these precious stones. You looked magnificent. You were beautiful, personified. You were amazing. He describing exactly what he looked like. So all these things that you see in, in the media or on TV where he's, got, he's red and he's got horns and all that, that is not the picture that the Bible paints of him. Are you with me today? And then it goes on, and, and in the New King James Version, it says here that the settings are mountains, and, and that's in the NIV Version, but in the New King James Version, they don't interpret it as settings and mountains. They say this, they said, you were in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone was on, on your covering, and emerald with gold, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Why, why is this important? Because we've already heard how God made him a stringed instrument, and now he's saying that the mountains that all of this went on were timbrels and pipes. Well, timbrels are symbols. They're these things here that crash all the time. They're symbols. In other words, it's percussion. And then you've got the pipes, which speaks of wind instruments. And so God is actually trying to paint a picture for us here that not only was Lucifer a stringed instrument, he was a wind instrument, and he was percussion. In other words, um, Lucifer was an orchestra. Because the three parts that make up music, if you know music, are wind instruments, stringed instruments, and percussion. That's what makes up, and when you go to an orchestra, they sit them in the string section, the wind section, the percussion section. They break them all up into those areas. But what God is saying is that when he created Lucifer to hit up worship in heaven, that he was an orchestra. So Lucifer didn't do worship. Lucifer, everything about him, just worshipped. You're looking at me really strange this morning. He was all these things. He didn't play them. He was them. So when he walked around, everything about him just worshipped the Father. It goes on in Ezekiel 28, and it says, in verse 14, it says, you were anointed. In other words, 
God chose to put an anointing on music. Music has a lot of power. It can be used for good and it can be used for bad. Let, let me just explain something to you so you understand that God can put anointing on things, but the devil can't. You have to understand that the devil is a being. He's not omnipresent. He is not everywhere. So when things go bad in your life, it's not the devil. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm pretty sure there are other people in the world that are of more concern to the devil for what they're doing for the kingdom than what you and I are doing. And he can't be everywhere at once, and he can't put his anointing on anything, because all the devil can do is use his lies to try and influence you and hopefully work through you to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But he can't anoint things. God anoints things. God is the one whose glory fills the earth. God is the one who is everywhere and in everything. All things move and have their being within him. The devil can't do that. You've got to get your theology right because so many people are, oh, the devil, the devil. It's not. It's just one of his hairy friends. He's not powerful like God. Nowhere near. He's not even as powerful as you are. We've got to change our thinking about him because he, the only influence he has is the influence that we allow him to have. What you allow, you have to tolerate. What you allow him to what you allow the enemy to tell you to think, what you allow the enemy to put into your life, you have to tolerate it. If you're allowing it, then you have to tolerate it. You can't complain about it because you're allowing it. And you've got to stand up and say, you know what, I am a son and a daughter of the Most High God. I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. And you are not going to influence me. I have authority over you. The Bible says that I have the authority to walk on scorpions and trample on snakes. I have the authority, I have the keys of life, all authority that he has, he has given to me, the scripture teaches. And so we're going to stop allowing this influence to come to us and go, you know what? It doesn't matter what circumstance, what situation, what place I walk into, when I walk in there, all of heaven walks with me. But don't underestimate the impact that music can have, whether it be good or bad, if you don't watch what is influencing you. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for, I, uh, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in all your ways. And the day that you were created to wickedness was found in you. And listen to this, because this is, this is what got him kicked out. Listen. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence. What does he mean by widespread trade? What he's saying is that God is saying, this is where it went wrong for you. You were worship. Your job was to worship me. Everything about you worshiped me. That was your role. That is what you did. And he's saying, for your widespread change, trade, in other words, this is what I created you to be, and you tried to exchange it for something that I didn't create you to be. You tried to exchange your role of worship to try and be the one that was worshipped. Are you with me? This is where we're wrong. He exchanged it. He took something that God gave him and used it for his own purposes instead of the glory of God. He says, you have sinned. You want to know what sin is? It's taking something that God has given you and not using it for him, but using it for yourself. 
Oh, it's quiet this morning. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to earth, and I made a spectacle of you before kings. Now, now you can understand that when, when God threw Lucifer out of heaven, it wasn't like a big fight that took ages. Because Jesus says in Luke 10, 18, he says, I saw the, I saw the devil fall like lightning from heaven. So he, here's the thing that you've got to understand. As soon as sin entered Lucifer's heart, or as soon as he decided that he wanted to be God, it was that moment and he was gone. It, it wasn't like, oh, we wrestle here for about, you know, and had this big fight and something like Lord of the Rings and, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, he was getting the upper hand, but then all of a sudden Gandalf the White comes flying through, and then he, hey, Jesus is getting it's, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. God has all authority, and so when, when Lucifer decided he wanted to be God, he was expelled, gone. It was an instant. He fell like lightning. It wasn't a fight. It was a dismissal. Come on. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that has the authority. That's the God that we pray to about our circumstances, about our situation. That's the authority that we are asking to work on our behalf. The authority that just gets rid of the devil like that. That's the God we serve. That's the God we follow. But God now has a problem in heaven because he's still got Gabriel there, the word of God. He's still got Michael prayer, but now worship is gone. And so now he has to put an ad into seek.co.nz looking for a new worship leader in heaven because he doesn't have one. That was a joke, just trying to lighten you up a little bit. It's not for real. There wasn't seek.co.nz back then. But there's a vacancy now. Do you want to know? He was the first worshiper, but you want to know who the new worship leader is in heaven? Come on, are you ready for this? The new worship leader is you and me. Because he's created us the same way. You have string instruments. It's called your vocal cords, the strings that vibrate. You have wind instruments. It's called your lungs that pushes through your string instruments, which creates worship and sound and music. And then you have percussion in your hands. And that's why in our first two songs, we don't stand here like this, like Nimrods, because we understand that we need to get the string instruments, the wind instruments, and the percussion instruments happening because we're the new worship leaders. We're who God replaced Lucifer with. He replaced them with us to be the worship leaders. We're the ones that are made for this, created for this, to be the worshipers of God, to bring glory and honor to him forever and ever and ever. That's our role. God didn't replace him with another angel. He replaced him with you and he replaced him with me. So why did God do that? Why did he do it? How did he do it? Why did he do it? And what should our response be? Well, the first thing is, is that why, um, the first thing is how did he do it? is that God made you and me from him. God made you and me from him. There are two things in the book of Genesis that talks about how things were created. One, there's two words used. Some things were created and some things were made. 
For example, he created light out of nothing. Yes? Let there be light. Light happened. To create something means that there's nothing there in the first place for you to work with. And so you create something out of nothing. To make something means that you have something that you're working with initially. You're, you're, you're bringing something out of something that already exists. Uh, Genesis 1.11 says this, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, bearing seed, bearing plants, and trees on the land. So, so what he's saying here is that, is that this was trees didn't just appear. They weren't just created. They were made. They, they came from the earth. They came out of the earth. The earth, you put, um, you put a plant or you put seeds or whatever into the ground, and the ground f- breaks down the outer core of the seed, releases the potential of the seed. The seed then starts to grow, and it starts to produce, and the, and the dirt and the land feeds the tree, and the tree grows, and then eventually the tree will will eventually at some stage die and decay, and as it decays, it goes back down, and what does the dirt do? It then goes back into the dirt, it gets absorbed in the dirt, nourishes the dirt, and then the pattern is repeated, and that's how it goes. Something is made. And God decided in all of his wisdom with trees that he, he wanted, and with you and I, that he wanted the relationship between the thing that he made and the thing that it came from. He, he wanted there to be a relationship between the tree and the dirt. He, he wanted them to be interconnected. He wanted them to be reliant on each other. He says, so I'm going to make land, but trees will come from it. So the land and the trees will always have to have a connection. They'll always have to be in relationship. So he made it from dirt. It was sustained by dirt, and one day that tree would return to the dirt. That's the difference between something that is created out of nothing and something that is made from something. And we know that Genesis 1.26 says, let us, what? Make. Let us make mankind in our own image. Not create, but make. Why? Because God made us because he wanted there to be a relationship between the thing that he made and the thing that it came from. Us that he made who came from him. He wanted there to always be a connection. He wanted us made from him to be sustained by him so that we would return to him. Oh, I know some of you are sitting there going, hold on a sec, wasn't Adam made out of the dust of the ground? Yes, his physical body was. And your physical body is sustained by the dirt. In other words, dirt grows food that we eat. Yes? And one day when we die, we will return back to the earth as we decay and break down. But your spirit is made by God, sustained by God, and it returns to God. The second thing is, is that God made me to be with him. You see, God never wanted there to be religion. God always wanted there to be relationship. And unfortunately, I think we have this warped view sometimes where 
We think that we're just servants of God, that we can never get close to Him, that we can never have a relationship with Him, that we can never have a friendship with Him. He's just up there somewhere, we're down here somewhere, and we're just servants. Here's the thing, God didn't make us that way. He didn't make us like the angels. The angels got given particular roles that they have to do. That's what they're created to do. There's some angels, uh, according to the book of Revelation, that just spend their whole entire eternity of what they're created to do is just fly around the throne room of God going, holy, 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 holy. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty bored if that was my job. You're not like them. You weren't created to be like angels. You weren't created to be servants. You're created to be sons and daughters. You're created to be in relationship with him. And Ephesians says this in, in chapter 5, 31 to 32, when we always think that this piece of scripture is about marriage, but it's actually not. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. And listen to what he says here. But I am talking about Christ and the church. He's, not, he's using marriage as an example of what God wants between you and him. He's saying, look how a marriage works. Look how a husband and wife have this incredible relationship. Look how that works. That's what I want between me and my people. I want that. In fact, the church is called the bride of Christ. We are, we are the bride of Christ. That's the kind of relationship that he wants. It's, he's using this as an example to show us this is what I want. The same relationship that there is between a husband and a wife is the kind of relationship and closeness that I want between me and, and my people. And God granted Eve to Adam because he was lonely, and God created mankind, I would suggest to you, because he was lonely, and he wanted relationship. And he gave us this crazy thing called the, the power of choice, where we can choose to love him or choose not to. We can choose to follow him or choose not to. I think God was crazy to do that. But the problem is this, is that you can't have a relationship with someone when you're forced into it, there has to be a choice. You have to choose to love somebody. You have to choose to do that. Oh, well, you don't understand. We, we, I, I just, I, I don't think that that's true. I don't have to choose. My, I, I love my girlfriend or I love my wife. I love my husband. I'm telling you, the longer you go in marriage, some mornings when you wake up, you have to roll over and choose to love the person beside you. As your kids grow, you have to choose to love them and not murder them. Because some days you don't feel like it. Yes, come on. Love is a choice. And that's what God gave us. He says, I want them to choose me. I want them to choose to come back to me. And then in Revelation 21, he's talking to a church and he's describing what he's doing for his bride, for you and for I. It says, one of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. In other words, you and me. He says, come, let me show you my bride, the church, you and I. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. In other words, he's saying, look at the home that I have built for them. Look what I've created for them. Coming down out of heaven. It goes on in verse 19 of the same chapter. And I want you to hear this. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. We're going to list the stones, and you're going to remember back earlier 
with Lucifer, that Lucifer had all these precious stones, and when he got kicked out of heaven, God took them all off him to give to you and I the church. The first foundation was Jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth, I can't even pronounce that. There we go. Thank you very much. And so I want you to see something here because you may not believe that God created you to replace Lucifer's role. But let me say this to you. One, you've got a stringed instrument. Two, you have a wind instrument. Three, you have percussion. And four, he has adorned you, the church, with all the precious stones that Lucifer was adorned with. You have been created to replace the role that he had. What a privilege it is that you and I get to be the worship leaders of heaven, that you and I get to live lives that constantly bring glory and honor and praise and worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He could have created another angel, but he chose you and he chose me to be the worshipers. And that's why we can't afford to sit back in our seats and go, worship you, because that's not what you were created to do. And because he made you that way, that's why he loves you so much. That's why he wants a relationship with you. So when we understand all of that, what should our response be? Well, our response is this, is that God made me to love him back. He made me to love him back for him, to be with him so I can love him back. That's all he wants. He just wants you and I to love him back. And in John chapter 4, as the musicians come, John chapter 4 verse 23 says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. That, that Greek word there for worship in that verse because the New Testament was written in Greek. And the Greek word there for worship, some of you are going to be a little bit weirded out by this. It means to kiss. It means to kiss. Now, our problem when it comes to thinking about that is our problem is, is we think a kiss, we think lovers kissing. Yeah? And so we kind of think that's weird. God wants me to kiss him. That's bizarre. That's kind of weird. But that's not really what this word means. It, it means to kiss, but it's the verb around the Greek word. is. It, it's like, the only way I can describe it, it's like, it's, it's a sign of honor. It's almost like to, to kiss the hand. Or it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you're a dog owner and, or you've been around dogs, and they come up to you, don't they? And they, just, and they just lick your hand like crazy. You know, they're just pouring affection upon you. They're jumping all over you and, and they're licking you all over. You know, they climb up on the bed in the morning with this Rottweiler. Where, uh, a few years ago, he, he got bone cancer and, and passed away, but he, he would 
sleep under our bed and snore and I'd throw shoes at him to get him to stop and that would wake him up and then he'd come out and he'd come up and he'd put his head on my pillow and try to lick my face. But I can remember with him is that I'd come home from work and I'm trying to open the gate so that I can bring the car into the property and he's just like, rah, 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 you know, it's just going, that didn't sound like a Rottweiler, did it? That sounded, that sounds better. And he's just barking like crazy and I'm like, get out of the way. I just want to open the gate so I can get, you know, and, and I get the gate open and he's all around me like a rash and I get into my car and then, and then I drive up into the, into the driveway and he's right there at the door, you know, jumping and scratching the car and, and, um, and I, I can't get out the door because he won't flip and move. I finally get him away from the car enough that I can get out of the car and then he's running around the car like crazy and, and licking me like nuts and jumping all over me and going crazy around the car a few times. And that's literally, that's literally what that word means. It's literally what that word means. I want to read you this again because I want you to hear this this morning. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. What is the Father seeking? The Father is seeking worshippers that are like, Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home. <laughs> Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home. I get to go to church on Sunday. I get to worship Him. I get to be on the front. I get to serve Him. I get to, I get to give my life to Him. I get to do all this. Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home. It's not worship. It's an, oh, I'm doing you a favour this morning. It's like, I'm so glad Dad is home. I'm so glad He's home. I can't help but worship Him. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so excited that I get to sing. I'm so excited that I'm created to do this. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's what He's looking for from you and I. And you might be like, wow, I think God has an ego problem that needs to be, I don't know, rubbed or something or other. But let me tell you this. I love going to the airport and people watching. Because if you've ever been away for a long time, and come home from being away. You know what you wanna see when you come out of the doors of customs? You know those days when we used to be able to do international travel? About 50 years ago. I love watching the kids run up to the mum or the dad or the nana or the granddad. I love it. And then you see them just I saw this one kid when, when I was there once and, and she had obviously, I don't know, been sick or whatever and there's vomit down the front of her and the mother's trying to clean it up with wet wipes but then dad comes walking through the door and the daughter was still vomit down her front just goes, Daddy! and runs to him and here's the crazy thing. I'm thinking this would be interesting because if I was a dad, I'd be like, nice to, hi honey. The dad just picks her up and embraces her, vomit and all. And you might think, well, God, does God need his ego stroked? 
No, because it's what you and I love too. I remember coming home from being away once, Trinity and the kids got caught in a traffic jam and I remember coming out of the airport and standing there. Oh, by myself, don't want to be all by myself. And it, it's the worst feeling ever. Because the whole plane ride home, you're like, I can't wait to see my family. 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 You love being greeted like that because He loves being greeted like that. And if you want that kind of greeting, why can't He have that kind of greeting? You're no different than God. God wants your worship. God wants your worship. Stand to our feet this morning.